Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be a discussion of 3 Nephi chapter 22. Now, this is Jesus quoting um, Isaiah chapter 54. So let me just give you a couple of things about chapter 54 of Isaiah. Sidney Sperry said, The fulfillment of this beautiful poem, Isaiah 54 is all poetry, is to be found in this dispensation. Part of it has already probably been fulfilled since the restoration of the gospel. The remainder will be in a time yet future. Elder Holland said, By chapter's end, the relationship between the Lord and his children of covenant is seen fully and poetically. And then he has this summary of uh, God's promises and Israel's millennial hope. Uh, verses 1 through 3, the husband provides the wife, and then he has uh, several things here. Uh, so the first part of this um, of the verses is where the husband provides the wife with something and then Jehovah provides Israel. And so this is the symbolism of what he's talking about. So verses 1 through 3, husband provides wife with children. Jehovah provides Israel with the gathering and great growth. In verses 4 through 8, the husband provides the wife with love and, in, and Jehovah provides Israel with mercy and redemption. In verses 9 and 10, the husband provides the wife commitment. Jehovah provides Israel an unbreakable covenant. In verses 11 and 12, the husband provides material comfort. Israel or Jehovah provides Israel with splendor in a new Jerusalem. Verses 13 to 17, uh, the husband provides the wife with protection for the family. Jehovah provides Israel with peace, freedom from fear, and oppression from Zion. So that was by Elder Holland. Isaiah, commence, in commencing with uh, chapter 54, by returning to the earlier theme concerning the restoration of Israel in the latter days. It's interesting that this chapter was quoted in its entirety by the Savior when he appeared among the Nephites following his resurrection. However, before quoting it, the Savior outlined what would prelude or what would precede it in chapter 21. There would be a free nation raised up in America where the gospel would be restored among the Gentiles. The Lord's servant who restored the gospel would be marred because of them, but the Lord would heal him. Eventually, there would be a cleansing of the land, leaving many of the Gentile cities in America desolate. Then the Lord would prepare to destroy the wicked in other parts of the earth. However, before doing so, he would gather out all of the members of the church and as many Gentiles as would repent. This is the great final gathering spoken of by Jesus when he said, Yea, the work shall commence among all the dispersed of my people with the Father in uh, to prepare the way whereby they may come unto me. Yea, and then shall the work commence with the Father among all nations in preparing the way whereby his people may be gathered home to the land of their inheritance. And they shall go out from all nations, and they shall not go out in haste, nor go by flight, but I will go before them, saith the Father, and I will be their rearward. Jesus then introduces Isaiah 54 by saying, And then shall that which is written come to pass. So let's uh, go ahead and get into uh, 3 Nephi 22 here, which is uh, very similar to uh, Isaiah chapter 54. Verse 1, And then shall that which is written come to pass, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing, and cry aloud, thou, didst, thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. 
Greater are the numbers of Israel born outside of the covenant than those born within it. Saith the Lord, scattered Israel, those who for generations have lived without the light of the gospel, who have not been fruitful in the faith of their fathers. These are also identified in this passage as the children of the desolate. The children of the married wife are the members of the church. That was by Elder McConkie, or that was by Millet McConkie. Uh, an era when those who have come into the faith from their scattered condition will outnumber those Israelites who had already found their way into the true church. It's one thing to quote the Lord. It's another thing for the Lord to quote you. Scattered Israel will gather in such numbers as to be so huge as to cause any prior miracles to pale in comparison. In this chapter, Israel is called a barren wife because of her inability or unwillingness to produce spiritual offspring for the Lord. But in the end, when she is gathered once again, there will be more children from the desolate or temporarily forsaken wife than when she enjoyed her wedded status in ancient times. Christ did the travail. Brother Victor Ludlow has a different view. He says that the desolate woman and her relationship to the wife can be understood in two ways. One, the desolate woman represents the Gentiles and the wife, Israel. Thus, the Gentiles will bring forth greater spiritual fruits than Israel has delivered. And two, the desolate woman is Israel in her scattered condition, while the wife is those people remaining in the Holy Land. Thus, Israel will bring forth more children, both physically and spiritually, outside the land of her original inheritance than in it. In either case, Isaiah uses these images to symbolize the relationship of the Lord to Israel. Those who join with covenant Israel are the children of that relationship. Verse 2, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy, ha of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Elder Holland said the large movement of Israel's conversion, gathering and return to the land of her inheritance, will, will require strong enlarged stakes in Zion. Growth will be on the right hand and on the left, with Gentile cities probably left desolate by the wrath poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. Inhabited by the children of the covenant, it is from this imagery of Israel's wilderness, tent, tabernacle, with its cords, curtains, borders, and stakes, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints draws its use of the word stake for the name of its basic ecclesiastical unit. The last thing to be put into a large tent is the center pole. Likewise, the center stake of Zion, which will be New Jerusalem, will complete the tent in our day. These five commands are what we should be doing to build the kingdom. In other words, enlarge the place of thy tent, let them stretch forth the curtains or thy habitations, Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. This, the Doctrine and Covenant states, For Zion must increase in beauty and in holiness. Her borders must be enlarged. Her stakes must be strengthened. Yea, verily I say unto you, Zion must put on her beautiful garments. Joseph Fielding Smith said, To speak of Zion, the New Jerusalem, or even that section where the city will be built as a stake of Zion in a, is a sad mistake. Zion is the tent. The stakes of Zion are the, build, are the binding pegs that support her. Zion, therefore, cannot be a stake. It would be as improper to call a tent a stake as to apply this term to Zion. Verse 3, For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Jeffrey R. Holland said, Sometimes by choice and sometimes by circumstances, Israel has been a barren, childless woman who had not borne fruit or lived up to her promises, potential, and covenants. Nevertheless, desolate Israel can and will be fruitful, even in the times and places her scattering and dispersion. 
The large movement of Israel's conversion, gathering and return to the lands of her inheritance, will require strong, enlarged stakes in Zion. Growth will be on the right hand and on the left, with Gentile cities probably left desolate by the wrath poured out without mixture. It is this imagery of Israel's wilderness that uh, the church... Uh, the church will come forth in the last days. Um, Cleon Skousen said, In the day of their final gathering, the saints will break forth on the right and on the left. The Israelites will not only occupy the mountains, valleys, desert, and plains, but they will invade the desolate and abandoned cities of the Gentiles. This would suggest that a certain amount of domestic warfare will have cleansed the land of Gentile wickedness. After each of the world wars ended, it was amazing how the people were able to clean up the rubble and erect magnificent modern cities in a relatively short time. The gathering saints will do the same in America. They will take over the desolate cities if the Gentiles cause them to be inhabited. Verse 4, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither, shalt, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy Maker, thy husband, the Lord of hosts, is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall, shall he be called. Elder Holland said, Even though there has been barrenness and sometimes unfaithfulness, yet will the husband, Christ, reclaim and redeem his bride, Israel. The imagery of Jehovah as bridegroom and Israel as bride is among the most commonly used metaphors in Scripture, being used by the Lord and his prophets to describe the relationship between deity and the children of the covenant. Cynthia Holland said, like people who are, who are widowed, divorced, or never married, Zion is alone for a, re, for a season, but not forever. The Savior of the whole earth is her husband. The etymology of the English word husband is a compound of house and prepare. Thus, a husband is one who prepares or builds a house. The Lord is Zion's husband or house builder because he makes the earth as a home for all creatures. He creates bodies as temples for spirit children. He builds temples as places of worship, and he prepares heavenly mansions for his children. Verse 6, For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Elder Holland said, Christ has on occasion been rightfully angry with backsliding Israel, but that has always been brief and temporary, a small moment. Compassion and mercy always return and prevail in a most reassuring way. The mountains and the hills may disappear, the waters of the great seas may dry up, the least likely things in the world may happen, but the Lord's kindness and peace will never be taken from his covenant people. He has sworn with a heavenly oath that he will not be wroth with them forever. In addition to this gathering of hearts and souls, the Jews will gather to their land of promise in Palestine. It also appears that there will be a gathering of a large group of the ten tribes who may return en masse from the land or lands of their exile. And then uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 133, 26-34 talks about uh, that they'll come from the north countries and, and that the highways will be cast up to uh, accommodate them. Verse 8, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Cynthia Hallen said, Among Orthodox Jews, a husband is not allowed to watch his wife going through the labor of childbirth. He sits in the corner of the delivery room with his back turned so that she will not feel embarrassed or immodest in her unavoidable hour of agony. 
He does not abandon her, although she may feel very much alone. <clears throat> the woman recites or sings psalms as she endures contractions. When the pain becomes too great for her to continue singing, the husband takes over, <clears throat> reciting psalms for her. Although Zion cannot see the Lord in the time of her probation, when she weeps, he weeps with her. When, he, when she sings, he rejoices with her. Verse 9, For this the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee. Since he has sworn not to be angry with Israel, nor to rebuke her, and since he has also promised that he will chasten or rebuke those whom he loves if they are wicked, Isaiah's prophecy means that a time will come when Israel will become righteous enough that she will need no chastisement from the Lord. And that was by Victor Leto. Verse 10, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that, have, that hath mercy on thee. His promise to restore Israel is just as sure as his promise to Noah. O thou wicked, oh, I'm sorry, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and thy fountains, or thy foundations with sapphires. In the midst of a troubling world, the foundations I rely on come by my covenants with the Lord. They are indeed like sapphires and are treasures beyond price. They are the restored principles and ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which are available to righteous women and men alike through the power of the holy priesthood of God. They include baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the sacrament, and temple covenants. Jerusalem, which was once destroyed and left desolate, will be re restored and beautified by the Lord in the form of a new Jerusalem. Elder Holland said, even in the midst of and aftermath of great affliction, the Lord will sh shower material and spiritual blessings on Israel, including those jewels and precious metals that will be used to build the new Jerusalem. Verse 12. And I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of car carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. These stones represent the spiritual and temporal blessings the Lord will pour out upon his people. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Zion shall begin to be built before the time of Christ's second coming in glory. The saints who are gathered in all nations shall live for a season in love and peace despite the degenerative condition of the world prior to the millennium. Because of the goodness of those who have given themselves fully to the Lord and his cause, their meetings shall be Pentecostal outpourings. The Spirit of God shall truly burn like a fire in their hearts. Prophecy and revelation and healings and angelic ministrations shall abound. For the faith of the saints shall, be rent, shall rent the damning veil of unbelief and open the heavens to the gifts and wonders enjoyed by the former, former day saints. And these spiritual experiences shall be multiplied immeasurably after the glorious return of the Master. When wickedness and enmity shall have been removed from this earth, there will be no end to the truths to be taught, the miracles to be performed, the outpourings to be enjoyed. Truly in that day, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. All men and women who choose to do so shall grow in spiritual graces to the point where they are prepared to inherit that glory and power which is enjoyed by God their Father. In that day the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 14, In righteousness shalt thou be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together against thee, not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the water to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall, shall prosper, and every tongue that shall revile against thee in judgment, 
thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Joseph Smith said, No unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecution, persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, calumny, calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly and independent, till it has penetrated every every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear, till the purposes of God shall be accomplished, and the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. John Taylor said, The day is not far distant when this nation will be shaken from center to circumference. And now you may write it down, any of you, and I will prophesy it in the name of God. And then will be fulfilled that prediction to be found in one of the revelations given through the prophet Joseph Smith. Those who will not take up their sword to fight against their neighbor must needs flee to Zion for safety. And they will come, saying, We do not know anything of the principles of your, of your religion, but we perceive that you are an honest community. You administer justice and righteousness, and we want to live with you and receive the protection of your laws. But as for your religion, we will talk about that some other time. Will we protect such people? Yes, all honorable men. When the people shall have torn to shreds the Constitution of the United States, the elders of Israel will be found holding it up to the nations of the earth and proclaiming liberty and equal rights to all men and extending the hand of fellowship to the oppressed of all nations. This is part of the program, and as long as we do what is right and fear God, he will help us and stand by us under all circumstances. Elder McConkie said, We do not say that all the saints will be spared and saved from the coming day of desolation, but we do say there is no promise of safety and no promise of security, except for those who love the Lord and who are seeking to do all that he commands. It may be, for instance, that nothing except the power of faith and the authority of the priesthood can save individuals and congregations from the atomic holocausts that surely shall be. And so we raise the warning voice and say, Take heed, prepare, watch and be ready. There is no security in any in any course except the course of obedience and conformity and righteousness. The Lord's people will be able to stand against gossip, slander, and accusations in courts of law. And ultimately, our righteousness is insufficient to save us, though our obedience with broken hearts is required to bring us unto Christ. It is His righteousness that saves. George Q. Morris said, But bear in mind that the Lord is directing this world. We are frequently reminded that conditions have been so developed in the powers of warfare that an accident or a rash move could set in operation those powers which might destroy our civilization. But let us bear in mind that this world is in the hands of God. All these things will happen only so far as they are in accordance with his plans and his purposes. And let us not waste our time and our energy and get into a nervous condition about what is going to happen to the world. That is not our sphere of responsibility. The Lord will take care of that. It remains for us to be devoted to the upbuilding of his kingdom and facing whatever conditions may come to us. John Taylor said, Neither this nation nor any other nation can do anything more than God permits. He sets up one nation and puts down another according to the counsels of his own will. All men are but human. Their breath is in their nostrils, and they have no power but that which God gives them. Anything beyond this they are powerless to do, and why then should, we, should his people fear? We certainly have a work to perform on the earth, and God our Father has selected us for that purpose. 
Wilford Woodruff said, Can you tell me where the people are who will be shielded and protected from these great calamities and judgments which are even now at our door? I'll tell you, the priesthood of God who honor their priesthood and who are worthy of their blessings are the only ones who shall have this safety and protection. They are the only mortal beings. No other people have a right to be shielded from these judgments. They are at, at our very doors. Not even this people will escape them entirely. If you do your duty and I do my duty, we'll have protection and shall pass through the afflictions in peace and in safety. I bear testimony that these things are true. And as we've read before, that great are the words of Isaiah, and these help us better understand uh, what's about to come to pass in our in our dispensation prior to the second coming and uh, after the second coming. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.